Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture and the official <laughs> podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and today I got the Comic Book Nation crew with me. I have Matthew Aguilar. What up? Janelle Wheeler. <laughs> hello, hello. And uh, Connor something or other. Uh, I forget his name. Anyway, uh, disrespect. Here too. Hey, Kofi. So rude. Here too. Connor is here too. I mean, but this is just between us talking. It's not like a public discourse promotional <laughs> thing, right? Like, now that would be awkward. All right. But uh, just messing with Connor, giving him a hard time. But uh, if you're joining us today, welcome to Comic Book Nation. And uh, this is one of those shows where we are definitely going to be doing it all for geek culture. So just to give you guys a preview, I thought maybe at the beginning of the show, we should really give you guys like a rundown of what you're in for. We are going to be talking in this order about the Marvel's trailer, Warner Brothers Discovery's big investor meeting where they talked about the future of DC, Harry Potter, and a bunch of other stuff. After the break, we are going to come back and give you guys our reactions to various things in movies and TV, including Evil Dead Rise, an early reaction for that because we got a chance to see it this week. And the latest episodes of The Mandalorian and Star Trek Picard. Big game-changing episodes this week. We got to get into that. Plus, Titans is back. Matt's real happy. And we got comics this week. So let's get into it right off the top. Matt, this is a very Matt-heavy episode for a lot of it. It's kind of like a Kofi-Matt episode split, which, you know, I love. But, uh... Matt, we finally got the Marvels trailer, and we finally got to see our first look at uh, Nia DaCosta's kind of team up between Carol Danvers, you know, Kamala Khan, and Monica Rambeau. And I already know that this trailer was disappointingly short on helmets, Matt, but other than that, how did you feel about it? <laughs> I'm actually trying to remember every time it comes up where that started. Uh, but I, I will say, ever since it did, I do love helmets more. So it is, it is having an effect. Uh, yeah, this was there was a lack of helmets in this, but uh, but man, I that's the shock of no one. Uh, I love this trailer. It's uh, I was very excited. Look, and also there were pieces of it that we've obviously seen in in teasers and everything. Um, some of the biggest stuff actually came from like you know being confirmed uh, in like the synopsis and and other things. I feel like those had more of the kind of MCU Easter egg things and like, oh, who is that person? Then the actual trailer did. The trailer gave me all the things I wanted, which was essentially, I want to see these three people on screen together. 
and get a sense of that dynamic and this kind of big spanning adventure. And that's that's what I got here. So, you know, I'm I'm incredibly jazzed. It's awesome to see them all on screen. Also, um, you know, I know the character, the villain, which we'll probably get into, uh, is not, you know, there was some people didn't know exactly who that was. It definitely pulls from L'Oreal. Uh, that's it's it's ends up not being a different character. Marvel will confirm that later. Um, but you know, the hammer, the the overall look <laughs> definitely pulls from uh, recent comics and that character a lot. I will be interested to see if there's more to it than that. So there was there was intrigue for me. I I'm actually really excited to hear what Janelle thinks about this because you know me and Janelle have been bouncing off the the comics a lot over the past year uh, and. You know, I, I see a lot of that kind of supporting cast camaraderie here. What did you think of, of this? Oh, man, dude, I am so, so excited about this. Uh, I honestly, this was something that I was just kind of like, eh, it's there. Like, I don't know. I wasn't like the biggest fan of the film, the Captain Marvel film. And, um, you know, Kamala won, won me over big time with anything Marvel's. But Oh my gosh, this trailer, like it, it, to me, it's the interaction between all the characters, not just like our core Marvels, but like the family of Kamala mm -hmm. and like, oh my gosh, it's just so cool. Also, this is the first time I've really felt like I know exactly what is going on and, and the point of everything. Um, it's cheeky. It's cute. It's funny. It's, it's exciting. Like, I just feel like this is going to be a, like a very funny film, but not in like a cornball tough to like way, which was like our latest Thor film. So yeah, I'm, oh, I'm totally shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it was just a little cornball for me. I feel like this is That's, a little like cheekier and like just by the way, no judgment because I don't yeah. like like I, I have a lot of issues with the latest Thor movie. Um, they just but, went a so, little yeah, over the top, which Marvel has been known to do, and people have been talking junk about it. People have been saying, Okay, Marvel, like you guys are being really over the top on the humor stuff. Um, and I, I can see that this is going to be, there's going to be a lot of humor in it, but I just feel like it's going to be a little bit easier to digest. Yeah. I also think before kind of, kind of start talking bigger things, I think this trailer does a really good job of, you know, one of the things that came out of the, anytime you have an origin film, right? You're establishing a lot of things and you're trying to establish the world and where this character comes from and all the spanning stuff. And sometimes they don't really get to be the character that you recognize as much until the very end or until mm -hmm. the second movie. And that is one of the things that I've been looking forward to is for people to really kind of see what Carol Danvers as a yes. character, who that is. And if you read the comics and everything, you see that on a regular basis and you've been seeing that for years. Um, but you know, we've only had one movie. <laughs> so here it feels like, and, and they give a little bit of an indication that you're going to start to feel more of that and actually see who this person is. You know, I'm I'm excited for that. It looks it looks it looks dope. So that's that's me. That's my uh, soliloquy. Kofi Connor, what do you think? Oh, I'm gonna anger. You know, you know, I'm in a you know like, you know DGF. Anger. I'm in a DGF mood today. So we're gonna risk angering kind of Marvel fandom by. Ooh, I want to get in on this. All the names. Um, this listen. Here's what I'll say, and I think I tweeted this or said something about it somewhere. Like for this trailer, for me, the real MVP of this trailer are the editors. Uh, the editors of this trailer really did the job. And I don't mean them. And I mean, in the film as well, like the whole, this whole kind of trope of them switching places is looks seamless. It looks awesome. 
and it looks like it's going to be the most fun thing about this. And whenever they are kind of trying to step in each other's shoes, quite literally, as they get transported and like deal with like they're out of context, you know, with each other. And then when they finally do come together, I think that's going to be the heart of this movie. And I think it is going to really carry it. But beyond that, outside of that, I feel, I still feel like we're in this weird kind of period where I feel like Marvel movies and Marvel TV shows are all from the same baloney sheet. And I feel like this is just like one big episode again. That was kind of my criticism from a lot of the phase four stuff. I wasn't so like, well, the visual effects, I was just kind of like, does this feel like epic, like a movie or more like a long TV episode? And I feel like this one is still on that train. But um, I think I'll be able to get past it because ironically, like like we said, the first (laughs) the first Captain Marvel movie had plenty of world and characters and backstory and all this stuff. But it didn't nail that central character part and almost strangled itself in trying to do so by making her like a robot, you know, mind controlled character instead of awesome, you know, dynamic Carol Danvers. I think this one's going to have all that character attitude in spades, but maybe not the strongest world of story around it. That could all change because I think, as we know, and we'll get into some of the finer points, there is a lot of trickery in what this trailer is holding back from because it's telling us stuff, but also holding back a lot of stuff that could be much more prominent by the time we get to this movie and, you know, Secret Invasion has been out and kind of changed the game or we learn other details, Guardian, you know, whatever's happening in the cosmos, it feels like this summer is going to be a shakeup in the Marvel cosmic world. And this trailer can only tell us so much right now. So I'm not going to like go full tilt on this because I know that I could end up eating a lot of crow down the line when we find out this is like a pivotal story about like the Kree Skull War or something else that like Secret <laughs> Invasion un- unveils. And I'm going to be sitting here like a, like an ace, just like, oh, you know. But um, I think for the first trailer, like I said, it does the job of showing you how this kind of body swap dynamic is going to play and it plays well. The three ladies look like they are going to nail it individually and together as an ensemble. And, uh, you know, you know, MVP for best use of a beastie boys song by even getting a line. In. <laughs> that's true. That was, uh, that's great. Hot with like, don't you tell me to smile, you know, just iconic line getting back at the Carol Danvers, Brie Larson haters. Um, So they're putting the attitude out front and, you know, I'm not going to get in the way of it. Ladies, enjoy. Uh, I'm going to step out of the way. I just hope that there's an actual compelling Marvel movie built around them. That's all. My turn? Fine. Okay, so Matt, here's the thing about Captain Marvel for me. Why do you go right at me? Because you're the Captain Marvel fan. No, let's, let's keep it on. Yeah, but like, what's the issue with the movie? Here's the thing. The first movie. She spends 90% of it with amnesia. So we spend the movie telling you what she's not instead of telling you who she is. Now, you, as a Captain Marvel fan, were able to fill in those gaps with your knowledge of the character from your many years of reading her in the comics and seeing development Mm -hmm. over time. Someone like me, who doesn't frequently read her comics, wasn't able to fill in those gaps. So when someone asked me, what's her character like? I couldn't tell you. Then we get to Endgame, and the directors didn't know what her character was, so they took her off screen for most of that three-hour movie, because they didn't know what to do with her either. Deliberately, they've said as much. And now with this, this this trailer looks like a great Miss Marvel movie, 
Monica Rambeau looks fantastic in this. Brie is in serious jeopardy of being woefully overshadowed by these two. And it's even in the editing of this trailer where she's got two lines. One is high and the other is what the? That's it. And I told you this back when this casting was first announced. She's in serious jeopardy of being overshadowed in her own sequel by everybody else. And this yes. trailer only kind of showed me that's emblematic of that, in that we still don't quite have a grasp on this character. We have a much better grasp on Monica and Miss Marvel. So I think when all is said and done, people are going to walk out of this movie and go, wow, those two are great. What about Brie Larson? Yeah, she's there. That, well, that was my okay. big thing. So number, well, number one, that was all old information. <laughs> <laughs> I already knew that. <laughs> you said it numerous times. So I'm I understand saying, this trailer that. And, and you make a point. Proved my fear. But you, okay, well, it doesn't prove your fear. It alludes to your fear because of a teaser trailer, and she's not in it as much, maybe, as the other two. But even then, I think they're they're in it. They don't have as like she doesn't have as many lines. But I don't think if you did a cross thing of like all of them on screen together, she's in it a lot. Like it, it is her movie. My my thing is those two other characters that you named, who I also adore, are one intrinsic to. Carol as a character. Those two are literally both. One is her niece and has all kinds of ties to her best friend and is a part of the first movie. And the other one is literally her biggest fan. So it's not a, it's, it's kind of comparing apples to oranges in that respect. It's not shoehorning two other characters that don't fit with her and then them just taking over everything. Oh, I'm not they saying all they go don't together. Fit. That's yeah, the whole point. I have well, no idea what that's the Marvel's whole point. Character is. Number two, Connor, well, I'm not saying uh, yeah. number, oh, no, <laughs> number two, those other two people you mentioned have had literally entire an entire show to showcase them. She obviously has not. To the things you you alluded to, she's had a movie. They had to do a lot of other stuff, right? And Kofi's already touched on like a, a big part of the movie, which again, that is also a big part of her of her story is actually having control taking from her and her taking it back. That's always been a part of the character. That is a part of the movie. WandaVision and Miss Marvel both showcase those characters over a longer period of time, and you get to know them better. And so she hasn't had that. She's in Endgame for, you know, what, 10, five minutes, whatever, right? You're right. So I'm saying that, yes, you are. You make a point as in like, we don't, we probably don't, we don't know the MCU version of her as well as we do those other two characters because they're more recent and then they've had a bigger canvas to work with. That said, I don't think, and I will make solemn judgment until I actually see the movie because I haven't seen the movie yet, obviously, but I'm not going to just then go, oh, well, they're going to steal the show from her and her own movie and she's going to be the last one at the like sitting with the bag. I, I don't know any of that yet. And I can't make that assumption from a teaser trailer. So I think that's a little all jumping the gun is all. All right. That's like all. I was, I was trying to do I was trying to support you before you uh, shut me down, but since we're spicy, I wasn't today, shutting you, know, you down. I, think I was both, just trying to I get the point out. Both, I I up. Now, now I have the conch shell on this little flies <laughs> thing. We're doing. So I think you both have some kind of misplaced logic. First of all, I think, I think it's crazy to think that, Mar I, I agree with Matt. I think this trailer puts those two characters forward because I, I think it's crazy to assume that more people have checked out these Disney Plus shows than have seen like the Marvel movies and are familiar with the characters from the movies. So I think it's the reverse. I think 
just to make sure people understand like, hey, there's some new stuff here. You may, if you're not up on this, these are two characters you now need to kind of go back and find out about. Like Kamala Khan is supposed to shine in this because we may need more people to go find out and go back and watch that series and really understand, okay, this character is really going to be significant. She's really going to be in this MCU. I got to invest and go see because Mrs. Marvel, we know not everybody sat down and watched that. So, and even though, I mean, WandaVision's, it's been a minute since WandaVision. Monica Rambeau was a supporting character in WandaVision. So again, I think it's kind of maybe the reverse. You put those two out front because you need to get people around and into the knowledge and awareness of who they are. So, and they're not, both of them are just up and coming actresses. So it's not like they have a massive established fan base outside the Marvel stuff. Sure. There. So that's the first thing. The other thing is, again, I don't think you can, and as people in the comments are kind of already agreeing, I don't think you can say what Carol's story is in this without really stepping on the toes of things like Secret Invasion. Because what the synopsis for this movie indicates is that she's been off really kind of getting after, you know, picking up now that she has her memories back of what the Kree Empire has done to her. And now we're getting this story will take a pivotal point in that kind of fight. Whatever that pivotal point is, is probably tied to Secret Invasion in some way. So again, I don't think you can do her story quite yet without revealing some of that stuff. Um, and I don't think it's because they are not confident in Brie Larson. I think she will be, I think the other two will be more kind of comedic relief or like dynamic stuff to keep the thing moving. But the real emotional heart of this will be Carol dealing with trying to find literally in meta kind of trying to deal with finding who she is in her place in this, you know, universe slash franchise will be the kind of crux of this story. So I'm not putting all those, like I said, I'm, I'm keeping a few roulette chips in my hand. I'm only spreading a couple on the table of doubt right now because <laughs> I think that, you know, as we learn more, we're going to, our perception of what we're saying right now is going to change really quickly. And so I'm just, I'm just going to chill on that a little I, bit. I, I will say this, Matt, one point in, in, the, in the favor of this movie, the first movie takes itself a little too seriously. And I think Brie Larson is fits better in more, comedic roles i love her in scott pilgrim i love her in Trainwreck, and i'm glad that this one clearly is not having her take herself so seriously and i think that is a great step yeah. in the right direction so I, I it's not all hate on this deal. end i'm also I, curious I to see how people are gonna flip once brie larson's like in a fast and furious movie like if she does like a really good performance in this fast and furious and fast x like i'm so curious to see how people will flip because I don't trust none of y'all, man. I think all your opinions are cap, and I think you'll flip in five seconds once you see. Oh, John Cena was just in one a little shiny Cena. nugget. What are you talking about? Nobody, Cena nobody's opinion changed about Cena after that movie. Well, John uh, Cena just me. so happened to have a massively successful film and then a massively successful TV series right along with it. So, John Cena, I don't know if that's the best example of somebody who's not doing all right. Because Cena's doing fine. He's blown up and like. He's got a major film franchise, are, a major TV franchise. Like it's 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 all good. He's fine. You guys are you guys are saying it wrong. It's John Chena. Of course, oh my, my mistake. God. Okay, <laughs> so and we killed. This I've been thing. watching that. Uh, you know, real. <laughs> how do you feel about Carol's new costume, Matt? We get a quick glimpse of it. Uh, you're a big costume guy. How'd you how'd you feel about that one? Oh, I think it's uh, I, I it's a, the nice bridge of the gap between like her original look, you know, Marvel's original suit. Uh, and and I dig it. I've honestly they haven't really 
I don't think I've dis. I think I've disliked any of the suits. I actually really liked End Games um, as well. <laughs> so I was actually surprised by that. But no, I think it's. I think it's cool. It's a nice homage. Yeah. Plus, you know the the hint of it, it. You don't see it until that like what seems anyway to be a fight that's closer to the end of the movie. So it does seem like oh she's kind of moving up and, and taking maybe that mantle in a very like visual way as well. Um, so that's, that's a cool, that's a nice little tease. I hope they do something with that. And then that's a kind of a bigger aha moment towards the end, but yeah, it's a, it's a slick looking suit. Yeah. I hope we can keep our captain Marvels from our quasars, from our photons, from our Marvels by the end. I love and yeah, all right. Happen to hop in the fence to the enemy camp. We had a Warner Brothers Discovery investors call where they tried to put on their first big uh, presentation here of what's going on with this. And it was, uh, I'll use the word interesting. It was interesting to see what kind of they were trying to roll out here. Connor looks skeptical, but uh, we have reached our destiny and it's to get rid of HBO from the title of our streaming service. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We will take it a page out of Janelle's book. We will be getting Max Streaming, which is that is that named after your husband? No, I'm just joking. Uh, we will yeah. be getting Max Streaming. This is alias. <laughs> was his last and name HBO? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's his internet. Uh, I don't know, alter ego. <laughs> oh man, so yeah, so we're gonna be getting Max Streaming, which. Just sounds like a bunch of coked up lugheads in a back room. We're like, we got to say something that shows the industry. We're number one. Let's do it. Let's just call it Max. Just the word. No, drop the H. Like Justin Timberlake came in. It was like, no, drop the HBO. Just call it Max. And uh, here we go. So we'll all be making fun of that for a long time, obviously. But uh, we did get a kind of, besides their insane preview of what they're doing, which I told you. If you guys do not listen to this show, and I feel like a lot of people don't for the with the proper respect, we we try to tell you the future. And I told you the future on this. I told you that this all made sense. And what they were going to do is come in and be like, okay, so we get people with this HBO prestige, but then everybody leaves whenever we don't have like House of the Dragon on. So what are we going to do? So we're just going to flood it with Discovery Trash TV, and you all are going to have to come here to watch your highbrow and your lowbrow. And that was the Zav's Live plan. And guess what they told Food you? Food Network, baby! They put a lot of fancy words behind it, but they told you, we're going to get you in with this premium content, and you're going to be stuck here watching Trash TV, and you ain't never leaving. And so that's what Max is going to be. The ultimate synthesis of highbrow prestige and lowbrow trash TV. Brought to you by the man who put Honey Boo Boo on the learning channel. We, we should not have been surprised by this, guys. No, no, no. No, this is, <laughs> this is where it's going. But I, I think it's a plan that's crazy enough to work. Because channel if I can get done watching... No, if I could get done like, watching a little episode of The Last movies, of Us... Yeah. Shows Kurt no. Russell movies and like random Sylvester Stallone stuff. And it used to be just like, oh, hey, we only show the highest concept of things. Don't you be Those are classic to me. But the term of classic used to be like, all they showed was black and white movies. All they showed was yeah. like, yeah, you can see black and white like, old classics all day. It was crazy. Awesome. Yeah. And now no, it's now. like literally what Ion is, you know? It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> not. Yo, Damon Stream in the comments, one of our biggest commenters. Um, yo, man, I can't hit it. I can't hate Damon because he's saying this is an April. One of the things they announced for Max was a reality show about people who don't speak the same language trying to fall in love, which was like an April Fool's joke. But I can't hate on that because 
I used to work for Screen Rant and we did a whole, we used to love, because of my sadistic nature, we used to love April Fool's jokes and really fooling people with our April Fool's posts. And that's how we made Fuller House. We made a f- April Fool's joke about Full House getting rebooted with like all the old people bringing back with all their crazy adult problems. And that became a real story that got picked up over the course of a year. And then Disney was like, well, that's crazy enough that's to work. Because of you. So, wow. Oh, yeah. No, this, I don't take credit for a lot of things, but that one was definitely <laughs> something we started that became real. <laughs> so I can't hate on that. I mean, this could be the greatest show ever, this Duolingo show. It could be amazing. So I got to give it its chance because. I think in the world we're living in and comedy becomes real, it's the only sane thing we have left compared to the things we're supposed to accept as sanity. But that's a different show. And this is Comic Book Nation, so let's keep it light. DC stuff, let's talk. They talked about DC. They gave James Gunn some shout-outs. We didn't get anything really new except a crazy little uh, flash teaser that looked pretty intense. But I can't find it anywhere. So was this just for, like, the investor's call? Like, where do they put this? Because some people, I think, recorded it and put it on YouTube, but I don't think they, like, formally released like formally release it so anyway if you haven't seen it it's pretty good it has like sasha Cali, supergirl saying what did you do like she's like chris bale batman but uh the flash still remains i mean it's still looking like it could be like the big summer event film for me at least superhero so i'm happy about that uh we also got our first look at penguin i don't know if we have that loaded up but we got the penguin oh trailer God. Which i've been so, so curious to hear I'm, I'm so curious to hear. well matt just spoiled it but what are the rest of you what, how did the rest of you guys feel about because i've heard some kind of like uh muted reactions to penguin and some people still being like this is a show but uh i love crime dramas and i love things like from sopranos to boardwalk empire to all that stuff so i still have faith in this in this has some moments where it looks like I think Colin Farrell will kind of carry this thing. And uh, yeah, there's just, but it is a weird thing. And this was like a weird in production teaser. They cobbled together whatever the hell they could and then put it out here. Is that why the boom mic is there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> yeah, there we go. That yeah, right there. They're, yeah, they're, oh they're, oh, yeah, yeah, they're literally showing you them filming because that's all they have. <laughs> yeah. um, if I have to choose, I'm going Duolingo. You know, somebody's asking me which show, which of these shows would I choose to watch first. I'm going Duolingo. I'd like to keep it light. But uh, Penguin looks like it could take us into the world of Gotham. It's going to be an intense, probably one of the most intense comic book shows we've ever had. And I am curious because I think they put together a good cast to play these iconic kind of Gotham gangsters, you know, crime families. And this part where he just shoots the guy and starts laughing is like... Good. Yeah, Farrell. Like, oh, it is. It looks like it's going to be good. So, I I like what they're doing with this, the Batman universe. Yeah, and so, yeah. What'd you guys think, Uh, Janelle Connor? What'd you guys think about this, Connor? I always go first. I'll let you take it. Okay, uh, I freaking loved uh, Matt Reeves as the Batman. This is a pop figure I got for my birthday. It's him in the Batmobile. <laughs> I am literally building the Lego version <gasps> of the Batmobile right here. Nice. Um, I, I I dug the hell out of that world, out of that vision for the city, and I just want to learn more about it. So to see it from someone who is uh, clearly trying to take the reins of the criminal underworld and uh, clearly take it in a more... Uh, uh, demented uh, direction is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, I'm very curious to see how this balances whatever the heck Reeves has for Batman two and what 
if any Batman's role will be in this story. Cause if it's just, Oh, you just, if we're back to agents of shield where it's, Oh, you just missed him. He walked out of the room. He, or he just flew away. Then we got a problem. But if they can figure out a way where it makes sense for Batman to not be in every episode, trying to get this guy. And we still get to see his rise up to a uh, penguin that we're all a little bit more familiar with, whether it's the Arkham version or the D or the DCAU version, it's going to be fun. And Colin, you know, if you're going to hand somebody the ball and say, carry this franchise for a bit, uh, Colin Farrell's a hell of a pick, you know, even in all that makeup. He, he, he dude looks fantastic. That's going to be fun. Yeah. Janelle, did you have anything you want to add? Um, I think this looks absolutely spectacular. Like if it's anything like the movie or the film, I think it's going to be so great. It is not my cup of tea. This is not the type of superhero content I like. I know there aren't any superheroes, but I really like like superheroes, like magical, mystical space powers. I don't love crime dramas. Like I don't watch them on the regular. So this will be something that I have to watch for the podcast. Wow, read the endorsement. Thank you. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> people in the comments, yes, uh, Kristen, Kristen Miliotti, who's from How I Met Your Mother and played like the end of the mother. She's also from like Last Resort, a bunch of other stuff she's been in, is uh, Sophia Falcone. Like the cast of this is just top notch. Clancy yeah. Brown is Salvatore Ooh. Maroney. Michael Zekin, who looks just like he stepped off a comic book page, is Alberto Falcone. And you got people in here that are so good in crime drama shows like Michael Kelly, uh, Theo Rossi from Sons of Anarchy, Carmen Ajogo, who was just in uh, Your Honor with Brian Cranston. Like they got some really strong actors. And that's what I'm kind of really kind of looking yeah. at was just the quality of the cast here is lets me know that like even if these are just scenes of gangsters talking and politicking and doing right. all that and it's a talkie, it's going to be an awesome talkie. And you see that scene yeah. with Colin and Farrell. It looks like it was a conversation scene that ended with him just murdering somebody and laughing about it. But that's the kind of stuff I want to see in this show. Yeah. Not the murder per se, but like the unpredictability, <laughs> the volatility yeah. of what these conversations mean and the impact. And I'm really, I think for me, what they need to do to stick the landing is showing us how Gotham begins to evolve. You know, not quite like Nolan did it between Batman Begins and Dark Knight, but how this city and this disaster begins to crack open this new era of criminality with people who are more flamboyant and kind of more like the comic book characters we know and how the gangster world is retired. Um, Cause that's a lot about like what year one and the long Halloween and uh, dark victory after that were really about was nailing that transition between Gotham being a mafia world to it being a world of supervillains and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. if they can pull that off, the Batman two is going to be, I mean, that's just, this is the best world building you could potentially do for a sequel to be like, okay, yeah. here's where we got to a new status quo. So I'm, right. I'm in and, for Penguin. Yeah. And then we get to yeah. see what the next step looks like when we have a literal sci-fi villain in Clayface. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. I love the gradual progression we're going on here. Yep. All right. And I hope the mud in the city and all that stuff some has something to do with Clayface. That'd be dope. Anyway, that's oh. me now getting into my wish list. Yeah. Pollution. Gotham's like actual physical nasty corruption becoming something that'd be dope all right uh take that the environment strikes back so let's talk about harry potter we gotta talk <laughs> about harry potter harry potter is not done yet we're coming back so 
<laughs> Stop it. Your <laughs> voice man. gets so like tingy and high and nasally. It's just so good. It's so good. Well, I can sing a mean soprano too, baby. We could do that. Get my falsetto going, but that's not here. We're doing a fake Cockney accent really terribly. I'm sorry to all our UK listeners. Uh, yeah, we won't do that again. But we got our new Harry Potter TV series has been confirmed. Janelle, you're on the hot seat for this one. I think you're our biggest Potter head. If I think Potter head, I said Potter head. Pot, yeah. whichever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I have a lot of questions about this. All I did was read the article that we wrote, that comic book wrote. That's how I got my information. And I have lots of questions. I'm sorry. I'm, I want, yeah. no, you're so good. I just, I, I just want to know, like, I guess they're, they're literally doing like the actual books. Like every single book is going to yes. have like a season. So they're recasting Harry Potter essentially. Yep. Yep. I love the hair. I, I love this. I love the Harry Potter world. I love the wizarding world. I love magic and wizards and things like that. But like, I am not in need of a recast of my Harry Potter or Hermione. Listen or to Ron me. Or... All of you. Okay? Yes. Do not, do not misunderstand. Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Watson, and Rupert Grint got into a room together they hired a gang of goons. They ran up in Warner Brothers and they were like, you better recast this. I am so sick of this. Get <laughs> this out of my life. Get some new people in here. Make your stupid money and get this out of my life forever. Oh. Erase the memory. Well, I'm not ready JK's wildin'. JK's wildin'. Get me out of here. None of us want to be involved in this. You see me, the lengths all of us have gone to to get away from this Harry Potter stuff. We've gone from the bling okay, ring to servant. My... Rupert Grint's like, whole servant thing was just him freaking out about having to live as a Harry Potter actor. Uh, like, yeah, I I'm sure they want this more than anybody. So, Dude, just losing our Snape, like, I just can't. I can't. Snape is no one else. Like, also, by the way, my British, like, best friend is in the chat and said they need to recast with Kofi in it with such a banging accent. So you got the approval from a Brit. Don't gas me up. Don't cast me up. Don't cast me up. The only reason I have a set of accents is in case I have to fake my death and start life over in another country. So until we get to that time, we're going to keep all of this. Approvals are strong. I love British humor. I do love British humor. Thank you for that. That was that was great. Um, yeah, we won't do that again. Don't worry. We're trying not to offend everybody on this podcast. Copious Snape. I would be, hey, hey, I'd be a great snake. I'd be a great snake. Yeah. Like, let's, that's not even, yeah, call my agent. If you guys are looking for a black snake, call me up. All right. Anyway, <laughs> so we got, I mean, this is going to be wild, but yes, they are basically just redoing the Harry Potter series as a TV series. And like you said, they're going to be kind of knocking it out per season. Um, I don't need I think this. that's going to make for a very annoying first season, though. Oh, it's yeah. going to make for a lot of annoying seasons. I don't need yeah. any of this. Kof, let me give you some context for this. Uh, I went to multiple midnight book releases. I went to multiple movie midnight releases back when those okay, were Okay, so things. Connor is the Potterhead then. Yeah, yeah I, I was I, like, I I, I'm, I'm screaming and freaking out inside right now. I'm just keeping I, it composed because I, I, I do not know you guys on this podcast at I, all. I have <laughs> multiple. I have Harry Potter Trivial Pursuit sitting over there and a couple other trivia ones. I know I can recite scenes from memory. Uh, don't when we get when we have like trivia nights and people start drinking, everybody hates me because I just start going into full on serious black rants. It's a lot of fun. But 
Uh, I have absolutely zero interest in this. I have zero interest in us going back to the exact same material we've already done. I have zero interest in digging up some of the worst aspects of the books that were deliberately cut out for the movies. I have zero interest in, I have zero interest in honestly continuing to give JK Rowling a platform, but that's neither here nor there. If we're going to stay in this world, give me something new. Give me the formation of Hogwarts. Give me the four founders. Give House me, of give me, give me Merlin. Like Merlin's real in this universe. <laughs> what what does that actually mean? Give me, give us like legit modern day wizards. Like everything that happened in the books was in the 90s. It's 2023. What does modern wizardry look like? Especially in a world where we all got these. And 30 years yep. ago, this was magic. But now it's all normal to us like that trailer you just pitched alone is 10 times better to me than yeah. anything like yes there's I, so like, many different ways to see this. <laughs> and to just to just say oh we're just gonna have each season be one of the books is so creatively bankrupt that between this and fill in whatever ish whatever stupid thing jk has said today and the disaster of those Fantastic Beast movies as they went along. No, thank you. All right. Oh, he said it. <laughs> yeah. As, as, I mean, I, as I, yeah. we say, all know reasons Damn. why. I, I, I feel like because JK is involved in this and it's just to keep milking this same ground, milking this cash cow without the risk of expanding it because. I don't think Zazlav and them look at Fantastic Beasts and are like, yeah, expanding this is a good idea. I think they were just scared off from that. So they're just sticking to the tried and true IP that they can milk out, sell books for everybody involved, trying to get re-richer. And yeah, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It doesn't appeal to me. I never, I read the books because somebody paid me to read the first two. I, it was just, I was in college at the time, so it wasn't appealing to me. I was already reading stuff. But I did go see all the movies. And like when the third one hit is when I really clicked in and was like, okay, when Kieran did, you know, Prisoner of Azkaban, I was like, okay, I'm feeling this. And I was at the midnight showings for the rest of them. And I remember by the time we got to Deathly Hallows, yeah, I was like, had enough of a career that I went to Warner Brothers and watched both of them and was just like, huh, eh, yeah, I mean, it's over. Like, I felt like by that point, it kind of had fizzled out. So, but I, I, yeah, there's also been great other books, IPs to come along since then. So like kind of retreading this one's kind of weird, but We'll see when the trailers start dropping and if we're all watching. And and I feel like people are going to kind of morbidly watch this regardless just to yell about, like, what's the same or what's different? How I will they change watch from the movies sure. and all that. Yeah. There you go. Boom. So they've already kind of won, which makes me, it makes me hate myself, but I will be in on it, too. So, yeah. Yay. Self-loathing. All right. <laughs> so, guys, Max streaming begins in May. This is all going down in May. Since we began this podcast, how many times has the Warner-related streaming services changed, Matt, do you think? Oh, Three, right? HBO we, well, we got, HBO well, we had now, DC Universe. HBO yeah, we had HBO. Oh, yeah, okay, HBO yes. Started, no, HBO Now came out, I think, when we had just kind of been again, was like some new hotness. Yeah. DC Universe mm -hmm. was out. Then it yes, all became Max, and now, or became HBO Max, and now okay. it's becoming Max. Yeah, so four. Okay, and four, Discovery Plus, if you want to throw that in there. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> and here's the thing, yeah, though. Times, I will, this charm. whole move, I will keep my subscription because I love myself some Food Network, and I love no, some uh, Property Brothers, and I love some stuff. And, 
They're not done I will with watch this. That. Like this is literally that's my whole issue my with wife's... HBO Max. Yeah, it's so expensive to keep for just the one like to pay for those prestige things. You have to watch. Yeah, but you yeah. gotta watch them. And you gotta keep it because you know in fall there's another Game yep. of Thrones or another Last of Us, and you gotta keep it. But this is literally me and my wife's viewing habits colliding together into one service right now. Because <laughs> I watch all that crazy prestige stuff and all those HBO movies. I go back and rewatch a ton of movies. She never does. And she's on Discovery all day. And I'm just like, I judge you. And she's like, I judge you. And now we can finally. It's come great together to have on in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, awesome. I mean, I'm, yeah, I mean, I love it. I've gotten sucked into some things. We won't talk about that. Though, but uh, yeah, so this is going to be wild. So we'll see this in May. <laughs> all right. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we have a bunch of reacts and recaps to get to. We're going to do Evil Dead Rise real quick. I'll tell you what I thought of that because we got to see it in a nice comic book screening recently. Then we're going to talk about Star Wars and Star Trek, Titans and comics, and somehow get this all done in time. All right. <laughs> Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Really nailed it. Nailed it. Really nailed the comeback with me. I did a whole thing. I'm flexing. I'm pulling up my shirt. Like, yeah. Might want to unmute your mic, Dingus. All right. Here we go. Welcome back to Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture, official podcast of comicbook.com. If you were just jumping in after the break, we just went over everything that happened at the recent Warner Brothers Discovery Investors Meeting with uh, the new streaming service, DC, Harry Potter, a bunch of stuff. And we gave you guys our thoughts, excuse me, on the Marvels trailer. So be sure to go back and listen to all that if you missed it. Now, what we are going to do, as I said, is do some kind of reacts and recaps to big TV movie stuff that has been happening over the week, starting with my quick reaction to Evil Dead Rise. So this week, we got to have a special screening of Evil Dead Rise for some dedicated horror fans here in Nashville. And uh, we came out of it and... I have to say, I was a, I was I got into the uh, Evil Dead franchise late. I wasn't the biggest Sam Raimi fan when I was younger. I liked straight up scary horror, like supernatural horror. Uh, my favorite movie Seven, so like serial killer thrillers, things like that. I love, but um, comedy horror wasn't really my thing. And so, what did you say? <laughs> I didn't know if you were mad. Oh, I said I did not know that. I didn't know that Seven was your favorite movie. Oh, Seven's my favorite movie. Day. Yeah, I don't yeah. tell people that all the time because sometimes I get judgment from that. People are like, are you okay? And I'm like, look, man, just <laughs> leave me alone. Uh, but um, yeah, so I, I didn't get into Evil Dead until later. I think Army of Darkness is the one that really caught my imagination because that was like a whole imaginative medieval world. I loved medieval dark stuff too. But um, I was on board when Fede Alvarez did the 2013 Evil Dead remake. I loved Fede Alvarez. So I was like, I can't believe he's going to do this and let's go see this. And I went in New York for a midnight showing and holy crap, I've only watched that movie once. Even for me, I've only watched that movie once because it was so good, but so intense. And 
I was just like, yeah, that is, that is a lot for me. <laughs> but um, Jane Levy was a star and all that stuff. So big expectations going into Evil Dead Rise, which kind of came out of nowhere with its first trailer and, and got on everybody's radar or starting to bubble. But I'm proud to say that this is a pretty good quality reboot of the Evil Dead franchise and concept. So if you don't know what this is, Evil Dead Rise is basically, it's a film by filmmaker Lee Cronin, which takes the Evil Dead concept and puts it for the first time within a small setting, an urban setting, which is an apartment building uh, within this family, a single mom and her three kids and her sister who comes to visit in an earthquake, Los Angeles, this is LA. So an earthquake kind of uncovers this old, kind of a occult vault that was in the bottom of the building when it used to be a bank and they find the Necromicron, of course, and then it all goes from there. So I'm proud to say that this is a much smaller, I mean, this is, might be the smallest kind of concept for an Evil Dead movie we've had since Sam Raimi first did, you know, the first one with whatever little bit of money he could scrape together with Bruce Campbell and them and get out in the woods and film it. But it works very well as a kind of small single setting, single night horror movie. And the way it plays with family, I know like uh, now that I have a family and I'm a parent and all that, it really plays with that and the horror of that. And I've, I've said it before, the sc some of the scary stuff is like when, when parents turn crazy and freaky, those are some of the scariest concepts you can play with. Um, hereditary comes to mind, uh, like yeah, Tony Collette at the end of hereditary and all that. And so this, really viscerally plays with that idea and the danger and the danger to little kids and young kids and stuff. And it is true evil dead. Uh, it has the kind of funny, it's not as comedic as the other ones. It's more straightforward horror, but it does have funny parts and it, but it does have that very kind of grating, painful, not quite torture porn, but like definitely gory, like, really drive you home kind of edge to it. Like there are parts and people have seen like where somebody grabs a cheese grater and like goes to town in this and other stuff that happens that like will make you flinch and cover your eyes and do all that. So yeah. And there's a big finish and that's just in a, like a parking garage as you see on the screen here. And yeah, it gets pretty gnarly and they do some new concepts with how the deadites kind of operate and can work together and do all this stuff. Uh, that makes it pretty gnarly. And by the end, they have a, a concept that this can spread, that instead of being contained in the woods, this kind of thing, almost like the ring or something else, can spread out into the world. And that's an exciting concept for where this franchise can go. So I think that like Scream has kind of really successfully gotten itself up off the ground and made something exciting that people are looking forward to. I think Evil Dead really can do that through this movie if if enough people kind of like go out and check it out and i think word of mouth will keep this one bubbling so i was i was happy to report that it came out now for comparisons i don't not going to go against the raimi ones because those are the classics but i think that i like the 2013 one just a little bit more than this but i don't i think that's just a single remake film like a true remake where this is a reboot and I think that as far as reboots go, while this one may be smaller and a little bit more contained, it could have used like a little bit more budget and for action for a little bit more kind of direct action. They get around that in some clever ways, usually using things like the peephole out of the apartment and stuff like that to, to kind of do a more low budget horror thing. And but it's effective. So 
I would say everybody go check out Evil Dead Rise. This is going to be a good crowd movie because there are just definite points in this where everybody's going to be like, oh my God, or just like, no, like, you know, all that stuff. So good times. Lee Cronin, I think, has a great future. The cast, and even this cast with like young actors is, they do a good job. And the uh, the mother played by uh, Lily Sullivan is really, really good as, as the kind of main deadite. So Evil Dead Rise, Horror is doing good, man. Horror is eating these days, and I'm not mad at it. So I say you guys go check that out. We had a good time at, a, at a, our little comic book screening this week. All right, let's talk about something we can all get in on. Woof! If, like I tweeted, if you are a Star Wars and Star Trek fan, you are eating good this week. But let's start with the one I know most of you actually watched, which is The Mandalorian. So The Mandalorian, we came. this was the penultimate episode of season three. Uh, we got the finale next week, and, you know, I've been hard on The Mandalorian this season, but uh, things kicked it back into gear because all we needed was a little more moth in our sauce. So we got a little more moth in our sauce this week as Moff Gideon made his long-awaited return, Giancarlo Esposito. And it's a much different show. It really is when you when you put the clear antagonist back into The Mandalorian. It, it quickly does kind of kick in gear in a different kind of way. But so much to I know to unpack in this episode. I won't hog it up. I just talk for a long time. My throat's dry. Janelle, as our kind of always on the fence Star Wars fan, how did you feel about this so this, this week? Dude, this is uh, wow. This this was intense. Um, it, it was just it, it is this season has taken a turn for me. This did not start off the way that it's ending. And that is such a payoff. Everything's starting to kind of tie together, make sense. Um, we're not as reliant on Grogu and every scene to keep people coming. Like the storyline's great. The interactions between all the different characters is great. The action is great. It looks great. It's fantasy. It's sci-fi. It's shoot 'em up. It, everything it, and and it's also at its heart like it it has like a a lovely story of like a father and son relationship but like in the end it's so much bigger than that in this episode and now you finally get to see what they were trying to kind of get us ready for the whole time so i I'm just like, I actually feel terrible because my husband, I started watching it past him. He watched like the first two episodes of the season was kind of like, yeah, I'm checked out. And I kept watching it. And today he kind of walked in on me watching. He's like, so has it gotten any better? And I'm like, uh, yeah, it's gotten real good. <laughs> like, I'm sorry to say you have to watch this by yourself or I'll just rewatch it with you. But yeah, it, it's definitely paying off and I'm, I'm loving it. I'm loving it, Connor. Um, so after what I will probably say is the roughest patch this show has ever had, uh, this this brought it roaring back. This was everything I hoped it would be. This was uh, the Mandalorians trying to finally take back Mandalore. It's Moff Gideon coming back. We get the Shadow Council. We get Thrawn, the big old name drop there. And I, I think they, they, they're, they're really setting the stage for what Ahsoka is going to be. And I, I think they... They're finally uh, doing a good job with that. Uh, this whole season, I take away two notes. I was really patient those first couple of weeks. 
And the more I look at it, the more I feel like season three felt like a first draft of what they were trying to do. And I know there was some stuff behind the scenes of Filoni was busy building Ahsoka, so he didn't have as much time to focus on this. Uh, I know they had, I believe they had a different EP, which effectively gave them a a new showrunner to add into the mix. Rick, I I can't pronounce his last name. Um, Family Yiwa. Yeah, thank you. Um, So a lot of, in a lot of ways, this season felt like a first draft, but this is what they were always building to anyway. So when they got to the important stuff, they nailed it. So I don't have a lot of complaints. My only other thing is that this episode, more so than any others this season, made me feel like Grogu's entire involvement in this season was a studio mandate and not what the creators actually wanted because they haven't had much for him. I really feel like if you watch the show from start to finish, season two had an obvious, okay, this is his stepping off point and he has to go and do other stuff. But as they were making season three, someone from Disney bust inside the door and said, look at these sales of all these Grogu toys. You put that little shrimp back in this show. It's like, but we don't have anything to do with them. Fine. It's a war now. Put him in a, in a robot suit so he can bang a button that says yes or no and sound like the ultimate Daniel Bryan fan circa 2014. Matt gets that. So we can sell. Uh, yeah, those exactly. things. Can so we can those, sell yes, no more robots. toys. And so we can keep him in the show. But every time they cut to him, I'm like, why are you here? This is no place for a child. Why are you inside of IG-11? Why are we calling him IG-12? People think that droids are people, and some people in this galaxy do. This is horrifying what is happening currently. Yeah, shout out to the Midnight Boys podcast who went on a tangent about this. Who went on a whole tangent about this, about droid rights, and about what it means to stick a baby inside the cavity of a dead robot. Right. This is is Uh, terrifying in some respects. Oh, Um, man. Yeah. But, like, other than that, I love this episode. I love the battles. I love that we're back on Mando. I love the space pirates that are just skimming across the the frozen glass of this once dead planet. I love that Moff Gideon shows up rocking what looks like a cross between the Night King and a Mandalorian outfit with just the little spikes. It's like, look, I have a crown now. Um, he Moff's running around like the ultimate Star Wars fanboy. He's like, I'm taking the powers of the clone army and the Jedi and the Mandalorians to become the ultimate force in the galaxy. And I'm just like, this is so ridiculous, but I love it. I, I, other than too much Grogu, I got no complaints. Man. Um, uh, yeah, people in the comments, I, I, it was back then, but no, chill. I liked the episode. I, I started, start, I started off saying that it had everything. This episode had everything. It had the classic Mando stuff with just like, even I can enjoy a scene where basically like Mando and Grief Karga and Grogu are doing your dad, son, uncle type deal. With, <laughs> like, let him drive the scene. car. Yeah, like, it's let him so drive good. the car. What are you talking about? Are you gonna, how long yeah. are you going to do this? And, and, and the parents like, dude, you don't like even have kids. What are you even weighing in for? Hey, I know yeah. we can handle it. Like you know, I can watch I, that I, I love kind of stuff. Of forever. the no and yes button, I, I I ate those up. Those scenes throughout the whole thing also gave me like super like bluey vibes uh, for oh, the yes. whole bingo oh, episode. Yeah, this bingo episode. yes, no, yes, no. Um, yeah, the market so, scene is yeah. everything I have to deal with these days, like <laughs> all the time in the supermarket. Like it's so good. No, yeah. You can't reach your hand into that barrel of produce. No, I have, oh, I have not paid for it. Stop. No, and then he like takes yeah. the takes the fruit and like squeezes it. like I don't know. There was a lot of like stuff in there. I mean, I look. It's no secret. I've been, I've enjoyed the season a lot, um, and this was a fantastic episode. This is easily one of the best episodes of the of the season, um, if not 
if not the best series. Yeah. Um, but um, I, I mean, I, but I, but I've loved all of that all along. I thought they just, the way they, they edit this episode is great. Cause like it just featured just, there's just not a lot of downtime. You're constantly moving and stuff feels important all along the way. So, um, you know, I will be interested to see like what the finale does as far as like delivering on, certain theories that are out there about spies and things like that. Uh, yeah, let's get it. We don't just up. allude to it. We got to get to this. This is what they come well, here We don't for. have time. We got to get to Star Trek. <laughs> we got no, get to yeah, man, we're taking time. We're, we're, we're taking time. We're fine. We're fine. Um, <laughs> okay. Like, yeah. So do you guys think, who do you guys think is the last? Because this episode was called The Spies, plural. And it started off with the kind of confirmation that uh, Elia, Kane, Elia Kane is working for Moff Gideon directly that she's his spy in the New Republic. That's why she took out Dr. Pershing and his Moff Gideon, the Shadow Council. First of all, I'll say, I love that this episode had the classic Mando stuff, she had sucks. some Andor to it. It also had deep cut stuff for animation fans, book fans, like a lot of, it was a great balance. But um, so she's reporting Moff Gideon and he's kind of messing with the Shadow Council, trying to secure his place as the possible inheritor of the Empire versus like Thrawn, which is an interesting thing. I want to see that dynamic between them and where it goes. Gideon and Thrawn. Um, but yeah, this called the spies. And so it's plural. And so there's indication that there's other spies out there and that in the finale, we're going to figure it out. Now I wrote up this theory for comic book star Wars and the two leading theories is, are that the armor is a spy, which is my favorite one. And the other yeah, kind of good. more cheap and more obvious one would be that Axe woves is a spy uh, and his mercenary life. Let him be bought and, you know, bought out by, Moff Gideon, and that could be why. I think Axe Woves is good, and we have an interview with the Axe Woves actor, by the way, which is going on our YouTube right after this, so be sure to check out our bonus round this week where we talk to Axe Woves. So uh, I think Axe Woves is a misdirect, though, because he's an easy guy to pin it on, but I think he truly remembers like the greatness of Mandalore, and he wouldn't sell it out to, the, to like somebody like Moff Gideon. Whereas I think the armor is a much more interesting thing because that's a that's a twist that could go back all the way to season one. Because I did, like I said, I did the article and there's some good clues. The armor was missing. We last saw her fighting Moff Gideon's forces under Navarro in season one. And then we didn't see her again until she pops up on that weird city in there in the basement or like on mm -hmm. the lower reaches of that city. On the Halo station, yeah. Yeah. With Paz, with Paz Vizla. And that chunk of time between we decided, oh, we just came to this and set up a new colony. But it's like, what else happened? Because Paz Vizsla was scattered with the other members of the tribe. It was only the armor down there fighting those forces when Din and them ran off and had the big finale with IG and all that. So she could have been caught and she could have been turned. But I also think that it's more interesting because then in season two, she sent him out to find the Jedi. She said, you got to take Grogu to the Jedi. And that mission led to Moff Gideon finding them at a Jedi temple and capturing Grogu. I also think it's interesting for the armor because I don't think she would have turned. I think she would have her vision of how to make Mandalore a great thing and reestablish the might of Mandalorian order is something that Moff Gideon could seduce her into doing that. He could be the key to giving Mandalore this new era of prosperity and that the armor and her beliefs would support that above all other things because she doesn't need everybody to be these purebred Mandalorians from the planet, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's not what her vision of the culture is. It's about the kind of cultural touchstones. And arguably, Moff Gideon can sell that he's doing that by making 
you know, stronger armor, better weapons, more better warriors that are housed on Mandalore. Um, and I feel like she would be the one who had the most knowledge of how to get him under the planet, set him up and have him start building. Plus she would have the know-how of how to help construct all of these weapons and armor. She's the freaking armorer. That's what her specialty is. So I like that theory. And I think it would be an interesting twist on the season because it would kind of make this all come together is a sneaky way. We never thought about it as it being about our society now, right? Like that the real fight isn't between these superficial belief systems, but between factions of people who are extremists versus people who aren't extremists. Do you know what I mean? Because Kof, I'll even, I'll even help your theory. Uh, when the rest of the forces suddenly got trapped, she wasn't there. She had already hightailed it back to the station up in space. So yeah, that but that's even, the thing. That she and Axe Woves, Axe Woves is the one who says, oh, I'm going to go get help. And he flies away while they're all right. in there. So both of them are kind of like, they're, they're both sus. Right yeah. now, but it's just and about one other thing is uh, on top on uh, on top of Axe. I also think they need to give Sasha Banks something to do in this show. So I'm fine with her also being a spy because she's had like three lines this season, and it's a it's a bummer. All right, well, people have some uh, disagreeing theories about this, but uh, all I can I think we can name. all agree. God, sorry, I, I think we're all can agree <laughs> that <laughs> we are very much excited for the finale next week, and we will be here to talk about it. So get ready next week. We're going to be doing Mandalorian finale, future of the franchise, Ahsoka look, and all that other stuff that's going to come out of this. So, oh, it's a good time to be Star Warsing. Um, am I the only one who saw Picard? Because we can make that quick. If if I'm the only one, anybody else watch? No, nope, no. Nope. I only watched the Red Letter Media recaps. That's that's the book. You guys are cr- you guys are <laughs> crazy. You guys are absolutely nuts with this. But all right, well, this is a Kofi Outlaw PSA. Yes, Star Trek Picard season three has been great. This episode, if you have not seen it, is is a new milestone for Star Trek. I would I would say I think it's safe to say. It's already cracked like the TV charts, whereas the series Picard has never like really done that before. The buzz around it's been crazy. If you go on Twitter and just look up like Star Trek or Star Trek Picard right now, you're just going to see an overflow of fans being like, oh, my God, this was like one of the best episodes of Star Trek. This made me feel all the feels. Even I, I got teared up in this episode. I had even text my dad because my dad was a Star Trek nerd and we watched dinner around the table watching Next Generation. And there was stuff in this episode that just made me be like, man, like how far we've come age time and making me feel all these middle-aged feels. But uh, it was also pretty epic. It opened some exciting new doors for Star Trek about like what's going on in this season and what the threat is. And it brought back, I mean, we have, this has been like an abundant. If you've been a 90 Star Trek watcher, this season has been crazy. And Terry Madalus and all the team deserve all the credit. We got changelings. We got dominion war fallout. We got Borg again. We got a new era of Borg that can now just take people and assimilate people without all, you know, bring them to a workshop. They can go viral quite literally and assimilate people. We got a classic Enterprise D comeback and that all the bridge set that we all remember from the 90s looking so pristine and awesome and tiny now. It looks so small now. It's crazy. But compared to what Star Trek is for the Star Trek sound stages, but um, in an epic kind of exciting, thrilling battle and twists and mystery it was a good time. And if you are not watching Star Trek Picard season three, like if you've heard jaded things about the series, you need to throw that off. This was a very, this has been a very different series. And like I said, every week I've been just like so happy that it's been one of my favorite 
episodes of the week, even though the buzz is smaller around it than say like Mando comparatively, these two season threes don't even compare like Picard has been much better overall, but it's not done yet. It is also the finale of Picard, I believe next week, or we have a couple episodes left. I forget which one it is, but uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about this when we come down to it because there is so much awesome stuff to talk about and seeing all the next generation actors come back, they have done their thing and it has been, Really good. Yeah, next next uh, week is the finale, The Last Generation. So we will be back to talk about that as well. And if you are not a Star Trek and Star Wars fan, bro, it's time to do it because we are eating well out here. And it's good to have two of my favorite sci-fi f- franchises just really hitting. And this week was just like, talk about euphoria, man. Like, whew. It was just a Wednesday. Oh, that was awesome. Thursday. Oh, that was awesome. Great. <laughs> I love it when both franchises play together. Oh, I took off my Star Trek shirt. I'll grab it for you just to show you because I was repping because uh, <laughs> there was some drama this week. The fleet took a hard hit, but uh, yeah, it's good to see some Star Trek. That's the rep for the fleet. RIP to a lot of people, but uh, go check out comicbook.com Star Trek because me and Jamie love it. Broke down a lot of the awesome things that were in Vox in, in this episode. So check that out. All right. Now let's throw it over to Matt for comics before we get out of here. Woohoo! Uh, yeah, just a quick note before we start. Uh, Titans, uh, chapter two of the season four did just hit, and those first two episodes are out. Take a make sure to look at the uh, Comic Book Nation YouTube channel. Uh, I got a chance to sit down and talk to Titan showrunner Greg Walker, and so we'll have a bunch of stuff on the mid season finale and teases of what's coming up uh, throughout this. I did season. have one so question for you about that. Just one question for you about that. Do you yeah, think they yeah. did Titans dirty by? by slowing down the momentum of season four this long, you think they like kind of killed a lot of the momentum by doing, oh, doing that? the gap. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why, like it was a little long for me, but I mean, how long was the gap between you's first part and the second part of the season? One month. Okay. Literally one and month. Titans yeah. has been through December three. Okay. So, so four, four. Yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. Four and a half I months. think it, I think if it had been you, because like I thought that would be the way with you too, but then I turned around. I was like, oh, it's 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 back already. Like that, I don't mind. But yeah, I think the, I think it was a bit too long for me because I think some people are going to have to like go back and watch the other like the episode just to get caught up and figure out where things are. They do a good job of like telling you, but still, yeah, I think it a month, two months max, four was a lot. Um, but yeah, so anyway, just a, just a quick note to, to keep I also think the there. DCU stuff is all, I mean, I don't think it's just the time. It was also time in the DCU stuff. Like, I feel like Titans has already been for a lot of people regulated to this box of like, oh, that's over. It's kind of like the Shazam thing, right? And I hate that because the show was doing so, I was enjoying season four and I think they deserve better than that. But, you know, I'm not going to get into that too deep. Yeah, I think we, we talked to, uh, when I talked to Walker, I did ask him about like, you know, if they, how they approach the season from the get-go knowing it might be the last and and we talk we even talk about like season five does come up for a quick thing if if that had happened um but yeah i think i think people will at, at least he alluded to people really will get like a conclusion to this so i think you know obviously if you're not already on the titans train you're probably not going to jump on now so i i because of that reason like it's it's done there's not another season coming it's not going to factor into this kind of new era so a lot of those people won't jump in. For the people who have been writing it for since the beginning, I do think it will suck them back in and they'll want to get their 
finish. They will want to find out what happens to these characters. And um, they alluded to trying to make that, you know, satisfying to fans. Um, But yeah, so definitely check that out when when that hits. Uh, So let's move to comics. We're going to talk some, it's a lot of Marvel this week. (laughs) I was a lot of DC last week, actually. So it kind of naturally happened that it bounced out. Captain America Cold War Alpha. Uh, This is the event that both of the current ongoing Captain America books have been building to for a minute. It has been a while since we checked in on this. I think we kept up with like the first two issues of those respective series and then other books hit, right? And so we kind of didn't cover the remaining things in between. A lot has happened in between. I was I was curious about Janelle because, you know, when we, when we started these books, uh, spoilers, by the way, incoming for this, Bucky was not a, you know, a villain or a, double agent or what, you know, all the things that are kind of happening here and here he very much is in that position. Um, and, and they do, there's a big recap. <laughs> it's like extensive. It's like two paragraphs and it gets to cut up on all the things. And even then I've still like felt like there were pieces missing that like, I didn't quite understand like white wolf and like, there's so many things that are happening in this. I didn't love this issue. I think part of it though, is because I haven't been as steeped in these two series as I have been other books. So I definitely was kind of trying to fill in blanks as we, as we went along, but even just as a issue unto itself, I don't know. I, I wasn't as, as sucked in and I wasn't as immersed as, as other alphas like this. They're supposed to hook you, right? Even for people like me who maybe slept on a couple books and then came back, they're, they're supposed to hook you in it. And it didn't do that for me, but I'm curious what it did for you guys. Uh, I can make my comment actually really short and sweet this week and save us on time. Um, I don't know. I didn't really enjoy both either of these books this week, like, to be honest with you. And it's not because of anything with the creative teams. I think there's just this weird point where like Marvel doesn't know sometimes like whether it to lean into comics lore or to bank off of some of the imagery that we've gotten from the MCU and I feel like that disrupted Guardians a lot for me. Like, I'm, I feel like there's just this weird uncertainty in what to do and how to do Guardians and how much James Gunn of it all versus the classic Guardians comics and all that stuff that just feels like a jumbled mess to me. Um, and Captain America is weird because I feel like, again, like this is influenced by what's happening in MCU, but in the comics, they want to do stuff, but there's this MCU influence so they can't lose it. And it's just kind of push pull to it. And I think it said something that neither Sentinel or Liberty or, uh, Sentinel of Truth, or what are they called? Were they, was that the names of both? Yeah, books? Symbol of Truth and Sentinel of Liberty. Yeah. Symbol of, yeah. I don't think that either of them really held our interests because we started with both of them and then didn't, neither one of them held our interest all that much. And I think that says something. So I know that we're getting into this Cold War event that's supposed to be very exciting, but it was just kind of a slog to read through because I was just like, neither one of these books are their worlds. Like, neither one of the Captain Americas is all that exciting to me right now. And so them coming together for an event, is just a lot of the stuff that doesn't excite me, I guess, but yeah. it, it wasn't bad, but it's just like none of it in, in down to the art. There was just a, like a lot of simple panels, like talking kind yeah, of standard cool, action. Yeah, okay. None, none of it like really jumped out or felt dynamic or felt like a major event for me. So it was just kind of like they were both okay. And, and I hope that they kind of expand or find more of their footing. Um, I don't know how much this event is going to find footing, but guardians, I definitely have, more hopes for but uh it was just okay for me yeah yeah i I think i figured out why the captain book didn't connect with me and it's it 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 reminded me of when we were when i was uh 
I was assigned the GI Joe comics from fairly recently. I don't remember if it was Dark Horse or IDW. Oh, IDW. But I re- yeah, I reviewed them for a solid year, and they were indecipherable the entire time. I never had any idea what was going on. I never understood any of the character arcs. It was just, hey, let's throw out a lot of proper nouns, introduce a lot of characters, a lot of military equipment, a lot of big explosions, and a lot of super secret organizations and people with different positions within those organizations. And they're all supposed to be super ultra top secret. So it's like, it's the outer circle and we are the points of the star and you know, you recognize the name of some of these characters. Are any of them at, are any of them acting like the characters you might recognize if you've read a if you haven't read Cap in a few years? Not a clue. Uh, why does Cap have a son that's like thirty? Uh, why is Peggy evil? Why is Bucky evil? Is he really evil? Is he not evil? What's up with White Wolf's cloak thing? It looked like the American flag at one point, and then it just kept changing. I was so confused the whole time, and none of it kept, held my interest. So it's it's it, it felt like it felt like bad GI Joe comics. You're just going to throw a lot of stuff at the screen and it's all just going to sound like white noise. Yeah, I'm I'm in complete agreement on this. Connor nailed it. I don't feel like I need to say anything else. That is perfectly said. Yeah, as in I rarely do this, but when a when I have to check the little page number at the top of the PDF and go how much longer is the book? Oh like I look gosh, and see how yes. much time I've had. I went, uh, yes. that's that's always a, a bad sign, you know? And I was like, oh, crap, I, will, I got like 50 pages like, left. I do like seeing Winter Soldier back, like, uh, you know, like he, he's you evil, like which bad is- Bucky, right? Yeah, he's a bad boy. It's hot. Everybody, a lot of boy, a lot of people like the bad Bucky. <laughs> but that's it. <laughs> the rest was like, what is happening? <laughs> I don't even know. Um, so, uh, and then Kofi mentioned uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, number one is the is the other book. And, and this one takes a very different approach as far as like where Cold War is. We're kind of thrust in the middle of, of this thing. And if you haven't really been paying attention to those other two books, like everyone said, you're kind of, you're, it feels very much like you're lost. This one is a clean starting point for all intents and purposes. You know, there is stuff that has happened, but again, there it's the way the story is framed. Like, hey, we're going to fill you in on the details as we go, as opposed to just, you know, like you not having context. And I I have read Guardians of the Galaxy is one of those things where I look, I'm a I'm a fan of the Abnett and Lanning run. That's the run that um, really made me a Guardians fan. And when that was turned into a movie, I was thrilled. And those are characters I love and, and especially that take on those characters. And then over the years, ever since the MCU launched those characters into the stratosphere, we've gotten a couple of different takes on them. And I will say that very few have resonated with me like those original stories. I, I've and it's not for lack of talent. I mean, those those these books have had stellar talent attached. And you know, I just but I don't know what it is. And it's the thing that Kofi talks I about think, a lot with the, the yeah, MCU I think, stuff. Uh, I think that's what you're getting at. I think we're circling the same thing, which is like, I think there are people are beginning to forget that the MCU stuff came from people who read these weird, crazy books where people were doing these weird, crazy stories. And then they synthesized it for a mass audience. I don't know if it can work in reverse. Like, right. I feel like you just got to go back and forget the Guardians movies and just write yourself a Guardian story, knowing now the parameters are Marvel saying, yeah, you're allowed to get weird with this. You're yeah, well, you're I, I, to get I do weird. like the concept here 
where we get I, it is a very different take on Groot, which I enjoyed. Yeah. I thought like making him the antagonist and like having yeah, all that threat, built around yeah. him. I thought that was really novel. And, and there's stuff towards like the middle to end of this book that was like, I am interested. I do want to lead back in here, but it's just overall like it's it, Guardians as a book ever since the movies took off has struggled to resonate with me like it did prior. And it's not one of those things like, oh, it's popular now, so whatever. It's I'm not like a hipster, angry person. <laughs> but I'm just like, it's just those stories, it's like what Kofi's saying. It's, it's kind of in reverse, and it always doesn't feel quite right and authentic. So I enjoyed this, but yeah, I'm still waiting to kind of see. But what did you guys think of this? I don't even think it's so much they were trying to... Um readapt the mcu back into comics they just took a look at firefly and said do that and and, and do that and let's make uh, let's make groot eldritch horror for funsies i don't know i it, it was a fun read but it was also confusing what the hell happened to groot and uh i don't know if i'll keep reading this one because i saw firefly it was fun and serenity was a good movie and that I, i'm done I, I moved on i do like serenity a lot yeah, this I mean this this book didn't it didn't bother me at all. Um yeah. I, I love the Guardians, so any kind of Guardian comic content makes me really excited because I don't know them from the comics. I'm like a big MCU Guardians person. So uh yeah, getting to see them just doing something else. Uh Mantis was very interesting and uh <laughs> yeah, that's true. you know, I don't know. I, I don't I didn't hate it. I didn't I didn't either. In, in, yeah, it wasn't terrible. It just wasn't, you know, we've been reading some really solid DC comics lately. DC has been crushing it. So, and then like anything after reading the Supergirl run that we just ran, it's it's so hard to compare because it's just so good. Um, but I mean... Yeah, it's it's interesting. I would like to see where it goes. I really love Guardians, and I I really like reading what they're up to. So I I liked it a little bit, kind of. <laughs> well, and moving into uh to cap off our thing, uh, Janelle, we've got Captain Marvel number forty eight. Uh, the last. This is I'm sad because fifty will be the series, you know, finale. Uh, and wrap up this Kelly Thompson run, which I have adored. Um, so I'm I'm sad, but also uh, this what this had a heavy it's had a heavy thing towards the towards the end of this. But would you what do you think about this? Oh, dude, this is the winner of the week. Uh, it, it's so so good. Uh, the connection between binary and uh, you know Captain Marvel is spectacular. Um, the X-Men were doing their thing. Like the mutants were rocking it. And I loved seeing that. It was gorgeous. It got a little like heady and weird, uh, at one point, which I always love. Take me on an acid trip anytime, um, in a book <laughs> and in a book reading. Okay. Uh, these are you know, and- not endorsed by comic book nation, Paramount or <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, God, this is so good. I wish that everybody read it because this was this week's smash to me. It was so good. That one, that one sequence when she asked, she asked binary if she's, well, I, I'm going to get in the spoiler. Obviously I said, this is massive before. spoiler. When, she's guys. Dead, when she says, yeah. are you dead? And she's like, yeah. yes. And then she like proceeds to, I was like, oh my God, like it was wrecked. Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah, that's, that's something. Uh, and yeah, I think yep. this book has made Janelle a bigger X-Men fan. From this, from this it's, series, 
It has, but I think more so I am like, I am an actual like Captain Marvel fan. Like it reading this has made me go, oh my gosh, I can't wait for this movie that's coming out. And I can't wait to see a different MCU version of Carol. So yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, I think it was well said. And uh, that is comics this week ending a very packed show. <laughs> so, very packed. We had a lot yes. to talk about, man. Yeah, this is Comic Book Nation. If you guys are just getting the show, we tell you every time we do it all for geek culture. We're the only show that does it all for geek culture. I mean, how many other shows you know out there are going Marvel, DC, movies, TV, Star Wars, Star Trek, comics? Whew, you're lucky we didn't put anime and wrestling in here. We didn't have time. But oh, I if could you're talk CM Punk show, for 10 minutes. Don't, don't get Oh, I know you could. I, I could. We can only and – and if we had unlimited time, if they just let us go forever, I would. But uh, they, they make us cut it down. But uh, we got to get out of here. So Do the accent, Kobe. If you want to know more about Comic Book Nation, please follow us on Twitter. We are all on there, at Comic Book Nation. You can also subscribe to our Twitter. YouTube page. We'll be dropping our bonus round. And this week, we'll be talking to the actor who plays Axe Woves on The Mandalorian. Yeah, he's looking real fit. He's looking real good. And we're going to be talking to him. Now, if you want to follow us individually, you can find myself at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at Aguilar TV. You can find me at Janelle Wheeler. That was Australian, I think. And you can find me at Connor Case CB. Kofi sounded like Mr. Sunday Movies over here. That that turned <laughs> Australian about halfway through. It did. I didn't want anybody to know, but I just did a horrible cultural avalanche slide down. Into like, I think I was I, I was Irish for a minute there. And I was like, oh, <laughs> all over Europe. I'm just taking a European tour, baby. Yeah. All right, that'll do it for this issue of this uh, episode of Comic Book Nation. We're out of here. I'm gonna go to Spot T. I'll see you guys next week. Peace. Damn.